I'll be covering data from three separate tables in this reading, so please do follow along with the PDF linked in the description, beginning with the last paragraph on page 70. Mark's this is a continuation of Imperialism, the Highest Stage of Capitalism by Vladimir Lenin. R. Calwer, in his little book, An Introduction to the World Economy, made an attempt to summarize the main, purely economic data that enable one to obtain a concrete picture of the internal relations of the world economy at the turn of the 20th century. He divides the world into five main economic areas as follows. 1. Central Europe, the whole of Europe with the exception of Russia and Great Britain. 2. Great Britain, 3. Russia, 4. Eastern Asia, and 5. America. He includes the colonies in the areas of the states to which they belong and leaves aside a few countries not distributed according to areas, such as Persia, Afghanistan, and Arabia in Asia, Morocco, and Abyssinia in Africa, etc. Here is a brief summary of the economic data he quotes on these regions. Principal Economic Areas Central Europe covers 27.6 million square miles of which colonies account for 23.6 million. The population is 388 million, of which colonies account for 146 million. Railways span 204,000 kilometers. The mercantile fleet weighs 8 million tons. Imports and exports total 41 billion marks. Industry outputs 251 million tons of coal and 15 million tons of pig iron and cotton spindles number 26 million. Britain covers 28.9 million square miles, of which colonies account for 28.6 million. The population is 398 million, of which colonies account for 355 million. Railways span 140,000 kilometers. The mercantile fleet weighs 11 million tons. Imports and exports total 25 billion marks. Industry outputs 249 million tons of coal and 9 million tons of pig iron, and cotton spindles number 51 million. Russia covers 22 million square miles, with a population of 131 million. Railways span 63,000 kilometers. The mercantile fleet weighs 1 million tons. Imports and exports total 3 billion marks. Industry output 16 million tons of coal and 3 million tons of pig iron, and cotton spindles number 7 million. Eastern Asia covers 12 million square miles, with a population of 389 million. Railways span 8,000 kilometers. The mercantile fleet weighs a million tons. Imports and exports total 2 billion marks. Industry outputs 8 million tons of coal, and 0.02 million tons of pig iron, and cotton spindles number 2 million. America covers 30 million square miles, with a population of 148 million. Railways span 379,000 kilometers. The mercantile fleet weighs 6 million tons. Imports and exports total 14 billion marks. 
industry outputs 245 million tons of coal and 14 million tons of pig iron, and cotton spindles number 19 million. We see three areas of highly developed capitalism, high development of means of transport, of trade, and of industry, the Central European, the British, and the American areas. Among these are three states which dominate the world, Germany, Great Britain, and the United States. Imperialist rivalry and the struggle between these countries have become extremely keen because Germany has only an insignificant area and a few colonies. The creation of Central Europe is still a matter for the future. It is being born in the midst of a desperate struggle. For the moment, the distinctive feature of the whole of Europe is political disunity. In the British and American areas, on the other hand, political concentration is very highly developed, but there is a vast disparity between the immense colonies of the one and the insignificant colonies of the other. In the colonies, however, capitalism is only beginning to develop. The struggle for South America is becoming more and more acute. There are two areas where capitalism is little developed, Russia and Eastern Asia. In the former, the population is extremely sparse. In the latter, it is extremely dense. In the former, political concentration is high. In the latter, it does not exist. The partitioning of China is only just beginning, and the struggle for it between Japan, the US, etc. is continually gaining in intensity. Compare this reality, the vast diversity of economic and political conditions, the extreme disparity in the rate of development of the various countries, etc., and the violent struggles among the imperialist states, with Kautsky's silly little fable about peaceful ultra-imperialism. Is this not the reactionary attempt of a frightened Philistine to hide from stern reality? Are not the international cartels, which Kautsky imagines are the embryos of ultra-imperialism, in the same way as one can describe the manufacture of tablets in a laboratory as ultra-agriculture in embryo, an example of the division and the redivision of the world, the transition from peaceful division to non-peaceful division, and vice versa, is not an American and other finance capital, which divided the whole world peacefully with Germany's participation in, for example, the International Rail Syndicate, or in the International Mercantile Shipping Trust, now engaged in redividing the world on the basis of a new relation of forces that is being changed by methods anything but peaceful? Finance capital and the trusts do not diminish, but increase the differences in the rate of growth of the various parts of the world economy. Once the relation of forces is changed, what other solution of the contradictions can be found under capitalism than that of force? Railway statistics provide remarkably exact data on the different rates of growth of capitalism and finance capital and world economy. In the last decades of imperialist development, the total length of railways has changed as follows. Europe's railways in 1890 spanned 224,000 kilometers, and in 1913, they spanned 346,000 kilometers. That's an increase of 122,000 kilometers. The United States' railways in 1890 spanned 268,000 kilometers, and in 1913, they spanned 411,000 kilometers. That's an increase of 143,000 kilometers. Railways and colonies in 1890 spanned 82,000 kilometers, and in 1913, 
They span 210,000 kilometers for an increase of 128,000 kilometers. Railways in independent or semi-independent states of Asia and America in 1890 spanned 43,000 kilometers, and in 1913 they spanned 137,000 kilometers for an increase of 94,000 kilometers. The combined totals for colonies and independent states was, in the year 1890, 125,000 kilometers, and in 1913 it was 347,000 kilometers for an increase of 222,000. The combined totals for all territories was 617,000 kilometers and 1,104,000 kilometers in 1890 and 1913, respectively. Thus, the development of railways has been most rapid in the colonies and in the independent and semi-independent states of Asia and America. Here, as we know, the finance capital of the four or five biggest capitalist states holds undisputed sway. 200,000 kilometers of new railways in the colonies and in the other countries of Asia and America represent a capital of more than 40,000 million marks, newly invested on particularly advantageous terms, with special guarantees of a good return and with profitable orders for steelworks, etc., etc. Capitalism is growing with the greatest rapidity in the colonies and in overseas countries. Among the latter, new imperialist powers are emerging, e.g. Japan. The struggle among the world imperialisms is becoming more acute. The tribute levied by finance capital on the most profitable colonial and overseas enterprises is increasing. In the division of this booty, an exceptionally large part goes to countries which do not always stand at the top of the list in the rapidity of the development of their productive forces. In the case of the biggest countries, together with their colonies, the total length of railways was as follows. United States, in 1890, 268,000 kilometers. In 1913, 413,000 kilometers. Increase of 145,000. British Empire, in 1890, 107,000 kilometers. In 1913, 208,000 kilometers. Increase of 101,000. Russia, in 1890, 32,000 kilometers. In 1913, 78,000 kilometers. Increase of 46,000. Germany, in 1890, 43,000 kilometers. In 1913, 68,000 kilometers. Increase of 25,000. France, in 1890, 41,000 kilometers. In 1913, 63,000 kilometers. Increase of 22,000 kilometers. Total in 1890, 491,000 kilometers. Total in 1913, 830,000 kilometers. The total increase was 339,000 kilometers. Thus, about 80% of the total existing railways are concentrated in the hands of the five biggest powers. But the concentration of the ownership of these railways, the concentration of finance capital, is immeasurably greater, since the French and British millionaires, for example, own an enormous amount of shares and bonds in American, Russian, and other railways. 
Thanks to her colonies, Great Britain has increased the length of her railways by 100,000 kilometers, four times as much as Germany. And yet, it is well known that the development of productive forces in Germany, and especially the development of the coal and iron industries, has been incomparably more rapid during this period than in Britain, not to speak of France and Russia. In 1892, Germany produced 4,900,000 tons of pig iron, and Great Britain produced 6,800,000 tons. In 1912, Germany produced 17,600,000 tons, and Great Britain 9 million tons. Germany, therefore, had an overwhelming superiority over Britain in this respect. The question is, what means other than war could there be under capitalism to overcome the disparity between the development of productive forces and the accumulation of capital on the one side, and the division of colonies and spheres of influence for finance capital on the other? And we're done with chapter 7. We will resume with chapter 8, Parasitism and Decay of Capitalism. Patreon.com slash Epic Incredulity if you want these episodes before everyone else. And as always, comrades, enjoy your epoch as best you can. And if you can't, then let that radicalize you into taking direct action against the state and the many tentacles of finance capital, the exploitative and surreptitious military-industrial complex with its perversely bloated budget, working in tandem to prevent socialist development of the global south, perpetuating poverty, restricting bodily autonomy, and exacerbating anxiety around the world's...